welcome back to another episode of the Ethics and Financial Services podcast produced by the Banking and Finance Oath. I'm Christina, one of the former Young Ambassadors, and I'm here today with our special guest, Damien Walsh, the Managing Director of Bank Australia. Hi, Damien. It is such an honour to have you here with us today. Let me just start off by asking, how are you and how have you been feeling through this period of disruption? I'm fine. Thanks for asking, Christina. I've actually been quite energised during this uh, time of disruption. I felt that it's really been quite motivating and it's resulted in a great deal of collaboration across our bank and um, bringing people together and uniting people. So that's been wonderful to see. But there are moments in time when um, you can feel a little bit overwhelmed by level of uncertainty and um, the challenges that are going on. So I had uh, took some leave recently and, and felt that I was reading too much watching too much in terms of the news and it was getting a little bit overwhelming. So I had to step back from that, you know, constant interaction with media just to remain healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I was having a chat with one of the associate directors in the company that I I work for and she gave me the same advice that it really takes an emotional toll on you tuning into all the things that are happening in the news. I mean, not too long ago we had the Black Lives Matter protests happening all across the United States. And recently we've got, you know, bombings in Lebanon. It's just, it's, it's chaotic out there. And um, yeah, I think sometimes to stay grounded, it's important to remove ourselves from that and just be grateful for what we have around us. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason I asked you that, Damien, is actually because like many others, you are in a particularly tough spot, although I feel like you're faring very well and remain with a very positive mindset. But collectively as humanity, it's possibly the first time in our lifetime that we've experienced a pandemic on this scale. There's so many devastating outcomes from it. But at the same time, you are also a business leader responsible for the welfare of so many whom you lead on a day-to-day basis. So Damien, how do you manage that? And what do you think it takes to lead in a crisis? One of the key things and the messages I talk to my people about is being prepared to deal with ambiguity and complexity and uncertainty because you just don't know what's going to come around the corner and it's really important that we remain, you know, flexible and agile in the way that we respond to not just the pandemic but other events that occur that may impact our businesses. So I feel that capacity to deal with change becomes much greater importance during a a time of a a pandemic. So being open to that ambiguity and complexity is really important, but also being able to then continue to focus on what you need to do in your ordinary day-to-day activity. So it's kind of dealing with the known, but also dealing with the unknown. That can be really challenging for people. That's definitely something that I've experienced recently as well. I moved jobs at the start of the year and I think that's it's been a very challenging situation to navigate when you're onboarding into a new company and then everything's virtual. <laughs> you don't you don't get that same connection with your colleagues and coworkers and yeah, it's it's a very it's a very different world, lots of ambiguity and it's been very interesting navigating it. But wonderful to hear that you think that that's a you know, the sense of agility and being flexible facing into the unknown is very important because I definitely agree with that. And the other thing too I think I had conversations with my people about is threat and opportunity. So I Mm -hmm. think we often apply a lens that change is a negative connotation and it's perceived as a threat, but there's also opportunity. And we've just been learning about new ways of working that we haven't really explored. 
you know, properly before. So, you know, there's been opportunities for us to, as business leaders, to engage with our people in different platforms in different ways and to convey messages with different stakeholders. So it's been um, an exciting learning experience as well. Yeah, I always refer back to one of the posts I've seen circulating around LinkedIn and other social media. It's a bit of a funny meme. It's who has caused or who has led the uh, digital transformation of your firm. And it's A, um, CEO, B, CTO, or C, COVID. And I think it's, it's quite funny because it really has furthered digital transformation across all industries. Yeah, I really feel it's pushed our business forward, you know, in that almost in the in the first three months have pushed us forward about five years. So it's just <laughs> quite amazing transformation. Yeah. All right. So as the name of the podcast suggests, we're here to talk about ethics today. So Damien, I want to ask you, how do you define ethics? And more specifically, what does ethics look like to you within banking and finance? Yeah, it's interesting. We apply a lens of responsible banking in our business. So we're a customer-owned bank. So our our mutual bank where our customers are our shareholders. So we always apply a lens around uh, is this the right thing um, for our business and for our customers. And I think that that helps us to ensure that, you know, we make responsible and informed decisions. But I also think there's an element of here accepting that we're not always going to get everything right as well. So recognising that we will make imperfect decisions from time to time. But it's important that where we get things wrong, that we act quickly, we accept and understand that, but we seek to remediate whatever the issue is that that may arise. So, yeah, I think that challenge about applying that responsible lens, but also accepting that you may get things wrong and when you do, then owning that and acting quickly and remediating becomes really important as a business. What do you feel like is your competitive advantage as Bank Australia in dealing with these, you know, in first furthering customer centricity, but also in dealing with any remediation or, you know, addressing things that need to be fixed? Yeah, so we've got a very strong purpose in our bank about how we create mutual prosperity to have positive impact across social, economic, cultural uh, areas. And I think that that's really helpful because of that. We have that very sharp clarity around our vision and our mission and why we're here. I think that that really helps us uh, as a business to, you know, keep that customer at the centre of the decision-making process and create value and have a positive impact uh, where we operate. So I think that that's, that's really helpful, you know, to your point, almost like a competitive advantage for us. So um, that clarity of purpose and and vision is really powerful. But also I think then that that gives you that grounding that um, where you do get something wrong, that you can own that mistake and fix it and remediate it um, as quickly as possible. You've told us a little bit about how Bank Australia I guess, the principles that guide them. How about personally, as a business leader, as a managing director of a bank, what are your personal guiding principles that help you stay on the right path in your career? And secondly, have these changed from your early career to now? Interesting. Yeah, principles probably have changed. I think for me, social justice has been really important as a person. And so to work in a values-based bank, and to be values 
based leader means that there's really strong alignment between my values and, and that of the organisation. And I see that with the board mm. and the executive as well. Uh, and it does flow down through the business. So I think that strong ethos or values in the organisation is what attracts people, whether they're um, customers or whether they're employees joining the bank. I think that that strong alignment of values is really helpful. Uh, and But to that point about change, I think society evolves and changes and our ethics and values mature over time as well. So, you know, a great reflection on that was more recently when we went through the marriage equality campaign, uh, we took a very public stance on that as an organisation to support uh, that position uh, in the marketplace and within within our business as well, recognising that not everyone would agree. You know, it was a, an area where human thinking had evolved and developed and that change was coming through society. So accepting that those values might mature and change over time is really important because as a business then we can grow and mature and then reflect those evolving you know, ethos and, and values that are uh, emerging in society as well. Yeah, and I think it's even in this day and age, it is courageous to take a public stance, especially as a company that might represent or um, have a customer base that's that holds very diverse views. So I think it's it's a very courageous thing to do. Um, another thing that I kind of want to dive into, there you talked about how it's very important to, to hire based on values. What kind of strategies and approach do you have in place to ensure that you're hiring people with the right values that align to your organisation? Yeah, so we spend quite a bit of time looking at the you know our corporate values, uh, testing them with our you know, our key stakeholders being our customers and our, and our staff so that we can ensure that they were, you know, well-grounded in the business. The next step for that was to look, well, what were the sort of behaviours that we would want to see in our leaders mm-hmm. uh, in the organisation? And that's right through the business. So that's helped inform our thinking in terms of how we then go to the market to attract talent. And what we've seen more recently is because we have such a strong position around uh, values-based banking and we have been very clear about who we are as an organisation and the kind of investments that we will make uh, and the kind of investments that we won't make or areas that we won't lend to, Um, so not lending into fossil fuels or the light venable export trade, et cetera. So uh, I think what that has done and raising that visibility around that positioning in the market has meant that people who have done their research and looked at us as an employer mm-hmm. and thought about, okay, I actually want to work with this organisation or not, so they might self-select out. But those that self-select in who then come through that recruitment and selection process, what, we've, what we're finding is a really strong values alignment and a very conscious decision by those people who actually want to spend time um, with that employer as part of their career. That's great. I actually have seen some of your ads, I feel. They've been around um, train stations around Sydney and, yeah, it's a very clear message that you don't invest in fossil fuels or the live export industry. That's honestly one of the first impressions I've had of the bank. Like it was one of the first time I've seen a bank take such a public stance on something like that. And like you said, um, with the marriage equality issue as well. It's it's important to sometimes take a stance like that. You project out a, a message and usually those who align, um, they respond well to it. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we do as an organisation, an annual basis is actually 
do research amongst our customer base and ask them, you know, what are the issues that you would want to see your bank take action on? Mm-hmm. And things might be from domestic violence to action on climate change to uh, Indigenous rights or fair and equitable treatment of asylum seekers and refugees. Mm-hmm. And then that, that informs us as a business as to what are those priority areas that, that our customers want to see us take public positions on, but also invest our time and energy into supporting those uh, initiatives as an organisation. I have an interesting question coming out of that. Um, Based on the research, do you find that there is much of a difference in opinion from uh, a generational standpoint? So, for example, you know, I know personally as a millennial that there's a huge movement towards sustainability, towards social justice, but do you think that's shared amongst all the generations or is there a particular trend that you'd like to highlight? Mm, It is that focus on sustainability is skewed to a younger demographic, but what I would probably with greater confidence say is there's this huge diversity across that range. And I think that that's what's really interesting is that we're seeing quite significant diversity in um, those new customers that are joining the bank because of our public positioning and our values and, and principles. So I think that whilst there is perhaps that skew to the younger person, what we are seeing is huge diversity, you know, in age, ethnicity, education, background, etc. So I think even, uh, and it even pushes us as a business too to think about when we're providing services, how we're dealing with that diversity amongst our customer base. So if you've got a banking app, for example, are you ensuring that it's actually meeting the needs of vision-impaired customers? This is one of the questions that we've asked a lot of our other guests on this podcast. Since I think the objective of the podcast when we initially set out to, to make this was that we wanted to hear how ethics plays out in real in the real world. Um, we wanted to bring life to stories about ethical challenges that our senior leaders in banking have faced during their careers. And I think it's also a great way to show other young aspiring leaders in banking and finance that, yes, the road ahead may be challenging and there may be moments that you feel tested, but standing firm in your values is a great way to navigate them. So, Damien, can you share with us perhaps a time during your career that you've had to navigate an ethical dilemma? You can share one from your personal personal collection of stories, or you may even tell us about a story that you know of. Yeah, great. I can give you a couple of examples. So, one was recently, just in the last week, a loan application that came through uh, for solar panel installation on a dairy farm. It wasn't a large dairy farm maybe about four or 500 head of cattle. Mm-hmm. But the question came up about, well, what are the animal husbandry practices on the farm? Um, should we actually understand, are there responsible um, farming practices that they're uh, employing um, for us to lend money to them? So whilst we were supportive of the uh, installation of solar panels in terms of increasing capacity for renewable energy, we wanted to ensure that the farming practices being utilised by that particular borrower mm-hmm. uh, were not harmful. And so I think that that is a really great example of, as an organisation, how we apply that responsible you know, banking or lending lens. The other one was a story from one of our branches where a deposit had come in from a local publican, so a, a local hotel, mm-hmm. um, but a significant part of their revenue is um, taken from gambling. 
sources and our people on the front lines said no to accepting that rather large deposit. And they made that decision on the front line too. It wasn't policy-led. It wasn't, you know, ringing up through the, through the management stack. It was really about local people on the ground knowing people in their community and being concerned about the harmful effects that gambling can have, particularly in a small um, regional community. So uh, making that decision on the front line I thought was a really great example of our people thinking about how they represent the values of the bank um, in their day-to-day interaction. Uh, and I think, so super proud of them yeah. in making that decision. And it yeah. sounds like you have an amazing culture there that really empowers your staff to act with autonomy and what's, you know, best interest for the community around them. So that's, that's really something that you should be proud of. And it's something great to hear. I used to work for a bank and I think one of the issues that we always wanted to address was how can we remove those middle layers of management where, yeah, we're getting that, we're getting that message from top down that, you know, customers come first and everything is meant to be customer centric, but we do get, you know, I haven't really heard stories where employees were just without picking up the phone to consult anyone can make that decision on their own and they're encouraged to do so. So it's, that's something very great to, great to hear. The culture in the organisation is, is quite grounded in the values of the business and it's a really powerful motivator for people in the organisation. And, and I think they, it's also this self-regulation that occurs as well. So people are working in teams now, there was a time when they worked together rather than remotely. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, if they were seeing practices that were perhaps not strongly values aligned, I, I think they were they were um, feeling comfortable enough to to call that out and to to seek to address that in the workplace. Um, and I think that that's that's really speaks to a very strong culture and a very strong values aligned um, culture in the business as well. And to your point, it's hugely powerful for the people on the front line. Yeah. And yeah, I know you've definitely played a very instrumental role in shaping Bank Australia's culture and also the response to sustainable development and responsible business practices. Can you tell us a bit more about what other leading best practices look like at Bank Australia? So you've mentioned things like culture, um, some of your uh, alignments with values within the community. Are there any other tips that you could share with others working in banking and finance? You know, there's a lot of talk about purpose and it's important to have purpose-led businesses and and that's a way to motivate uh, and engage your employees. But I think also in addition to that, there's a strong connection between purpose and impact and I think having a positive impact in the communities where you operate, whether that's creating employment for people who live in those areas or addressing some of those societal concerns that we've spoken about earlier, whether that's action on climate change or domestic violence or Indigenous rights, etc., that being able to make positive change in the world and have that impact on both individuals and communities uh, and, and the planet is um, hugely powerful. And I think that's how you can drive system change as well. So if... You know, all banks were leading to be responsible businesses, responsible lenders, deposit takers, and that focus on sustainable development, then, you know, that's how we could actually shift the economy, particularly in the way we might think about how we, how we lead ourselves out of this pandemic. Uh, I think there's opportunities to do things differently. 
The next question is, what do you think is the biggest ethical challenge that future leaders face? Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is, I'm assuming you have some sort of magic ball that looks into the future. <laughs> Look, I think you know, how we actually shift finance to address sustainable development, whether that's the Paris commitment uh, addressing the UN sustainable development goals, you know, grounding that in our businesses and aligning our strategy around creating a better planet and a better place for people to live and for society to thrive. You know, I think that that in, in itself is just, is a huge challenge. Wonderful insights from that crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. how about what you mentioned just then? How do you think we can actually bridge the gaps? Or what would you say are the top three skills that are necessary to work towards a future like that? Uh, I think it's just a really collaborative effort across all of the stakeholders in finance. So whether that's from the regulators, you know, from the policymakers, from mm -hmm. government, through the leaders in the financial services industry, uh, and particularly those people that are working uh, in the industry, I think that helping our customers and the businesses um, that we support and the economy that you know we are intrinsically a part of. Uh, I think if we could all work together towards reducing the environmental impact that we have on the planet, um, bettering people's lives, working towards um, sustainable development, I think that you know it's effectively just bringing all of those forces together. And that'll take time, but uh, we've all got a role to play. And are there key technical or soft skills that you'd feel will be really necessary to, to facilitate that? I think there are some key technical skills emerging. So we are seeing the regulators, you know, not just in Australia but overseas talking about climate risk and the impact that climate change has on financial services and the assets that secure our uh, lending activities or if you're an insurer, you know, the assets that you're insuring. So I think there's those technical competencies that are that are emerging. I think the soft skills are really, that's a really important question because it comes back to that values alignment. You know, it's really important as leaders not just to think about the things that we will do in our businesses, but also to understand the things that we won't do. And having that clarity around what's in your remit and what's excluded um, becomes really important. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's the grey, you know, working in the grey. <laughs> there's a lot of grey, <laughs> yeah. definitely. So that's pretty much near the end of our podcast today. Do you have any last words of advice to impart on our audience? I think one last piece of advice is as you're developing your careers, it's a huge opportunity just to continue to learn. I always feel like I'm learning every mm. day. Yeah. And I think my kids laugh at me. They're in their 20s at university. They know everything. But um, I always let them know that, you know, I just kind of learn this stuff all the time. And I think that that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you been recently learning? Uh, <laughs> I've been learning about design, actually. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So thinking about design and how brand design and and, you know, even just things like packaging and that how, how important they are to how you communicate um, your values as an organisation. Mm. So there you go. That's really great. So a bit of UX, UI, customer experience stuff. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Damien. I think um, you've imparted a lot of 
wisdom onto our audience today and very, very grateful that you've shared your insights and how you've managed to lead Bank Australia to become such a firmly established organisation with strong values. So thank you for sharing. All right. Thanks, Christina.